0: You to keep Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, The Art of Music. I'm your host, Rob Goodman, an illustrator for bands and a lifelong music fan. And in this series, we explore the crossroads where visual art and music meet. I sit down with musicians and their creative collaborators to talk about the art of music and the stories behind iconic album covers, videos, band posters, stage experiences, and merchandise that all make music so much more than just sound. On this episode, I sit down with acclaimed musician and songwriter Tao Win, previously with Tao and the Get Down, Stay Down, and Linda My Green, filmmaker and the director behind the camera for Tao's music video for Marrow. From her latest album temple which recently got the deluxe re-release treatment including several string versions of songs featured on the original record in this conversation we go deep into the song and video for marrow the meaning behind it and what the process was like between tao and linda creating such a beautiful video for the song we talk about the filmmaking and music making creative process about what makes for amazing creative collaborations And we talked to Tao about her work hosting the podcast Song Exploder and how that helped influence her creative process and helped unblock her from creating this new album. I kicked off our discussion diving into Linda and Tao's first collaboration. It was for a political campaign featuring Tao appealing to the Vietnamese-American community to get out and vote in 2020. If you're new to Making Ways, The Art of Music, definitely check out our past episodes. We have amazing ones with Fruit Bats, Bonnie Light Horseman, Krung Bin, Def Heaven, and many more amazing bands and artists. And this year, we're doing something new. We're gonna be releasing episodes as we have them. So no new season, just great conversations about the art of music for your ears as soon as we have them ready for you. So be sure to subscribe and follow the show to get them first. And now, let's get started with our conversation about the art of music with Tao Nguyen and Linda Mai Green. So let's just get started with how you two first met. I'd love to hear that story.
1: It was a pandemic meeting, so it was virtual. And it was a connection through a friend, and it was in service of the greater good. We were all panicking about the election, and Linda had teamed up with Downtown for Democracy to, while well, Linda explained,
2: yeah, we met over Zoom. That's the technical side of it. But we met because, yeah, we were worried about the 2020 presidential election. And me and another woman who's a member of this community group were sort of thinking about ways to engage voters, especially. Well, Downtown for Democracy focuses on young women a lot of the time, but then. Basically, we were casting about for ways to reach people and let them know how important this election was. And Tao seemed like a really great person to get involved in that effort. And we came up with this idea to engage Vietnamese American voters.
0: Yeah, I love the video that you all did together. And I also love the kind of Behind the scenes documentary of Tao, you and your mom discussing it together and yeah. showing her the video for the first time. <laughs> it's just, I don't know, it's so real. And
1: yeah, she's perfectly just
0: slightly impressed. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love that moment where you're like, What do you think? You know, I finally, uh, and yeah. like, and she was like, mm-hmm, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I know. It was such a treat to do something so culturally close to home and in such a focused, intentional way. And it's not anything I had really tried to explore before. You know, I, th- I think I have a complicated relationship to my roots. And so getting to work with Linda and knowing that we were focusing our attention and paying tribute to the Vietnamese community in ways that felt still healthy and comfortable were really important.
0: And when did this kind of activist focus shift to more of a creative collaboration around Temple and the new video for Marrow?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I loved working with Linda so much and showing up on set the first day for the election video, I just knew that she was so dialed And I kind of just tucked it back in the recesses of my mind that the next chance I had to make a video or to work on something for the album, I would love to see if she would be interested. And at that time, it felt deep enough pandemic that there was no way to know what was going to happen with Temple. Temple had been released in May of 2020. And then the uprisings happened. It just was not within my purview to promote it. It didn't feel right. It just was never the right time. You know, there were bigger fish to fry. And so I didn't know if or when we would revisit that album and if the label would be behind trying to give it new life or more life. So once that was greenlit, once it looked like there would be more to do with Temple, and I knew that "Marrow" would be the next song from the album that I would want to highlight. Actually, I had talked to Linda about another track for the album, but it was a string version, which will be released. But, you know, the effort of making a music video, we wanted to refocus that on something that was part of the actual album and not an addendum to the album. So that's when we kind of recalibrated
0: yeah. I love the strings version as well. I'm trying to figure out a way to incorporate it into my wedding at some point. Oh. I'm getting married in the winter. Me and my fiance are like, oh, it's so gorgeous. And the sentiment of the song is so powerful. We're like, we got to work this into like the ceremony somehow.
1: Oh, that's lovely to hear. Thank yeah, you.
0: Of course. Thank you for such a, a beautiful yeah. you know song. And I want to talk more about the video, but Tao, if you can talk through a little bit about what the song means to you, I've heard you talk about it as kind of an ending, a new beginning. You always envisioned it to, you know, close out this chapter and close out this record temple, and you know, this kind of bearing of your soul to your partner. You know, simplifying it down to, the, you know, the, the good and the bad. You know, taking it all, but also this promise and commitment to. Be the best version of yourself for each other, not just for you anymore. What does it mean to you?
1: Marrow is definitely one of the tougher songs to write, but also one of the easiest because it was so necessary to me that it exists. But the confrontation that it would require was difficult, you know, because you have to confront so much shame in an effort to be free. They're just. And I've tried before to not confront it, it just (laughs) move forward, and it actually doesn't work. It's it's taken me years to realize that you cannot move forward until you meet it and excise it and exercise it.
0: The sheltering of it becomes the focus of the energy.
1: Right. Totally. Yeah. And then you compound that shame because you know that you harbor it still. And then you're ashamed of being ashamed. It's just endless. I mean, this song is so meaningful to me because it's a love song, but it's also this apology, you know, it's an apology to my partner. I think any of us who are lucky enough to be with people (laughs) in a serious way, we ask a lot of each other. And I couldn't see exactly what I was doing to myself until I started to ask Molly to participate in that, you know, that has to do with a ton of familial stuff, cultural stuff around being queer and being out. And within my career, you know, the span of my career, I'd never been out in any meaningful way. And part of that was considerations I was making for my family and their comfort and perceived comfort. And, you know, I found that I had stopped my own life. I'd stopped the progression of my own life to cater and to accommodate all of these notions. And I think I just reached a point where that was untenable, and it took a long time to get there. It was just so clear. I couldn't live like this, and I couldn't ask my partner. I wouldn't subject her to this anymore. And also, we wanted to get married. I didn't realize it, but I was standing in the way of that in so many ways. So writing this song, finishing this record, there were plans for us to get married basically upon the completion of this album. So the writing of the song was very much intertwining with the writing of my life
0: <laughs> and moving forward. When you talk about inviting her into the process, Molly, your, your wife now, does that mean coming into the studio, coming into the bedroom with a guitar and a notepad does it mean going to therapy and talking about these themes or just like inviting her into your head and your artistic Kind of soul.
1: It was more like, (laughs) I need to sort out my own shit and then I will prove to you and I will show you that I am ready. That idea of inviting, it was really tough, stupid stuff, like going home to see my family and not introducing her as I would if I were bringing a boyfriend home. Things like that. Not inviting her to participate, but basically forcing her to exist in a more closeted way, which she never would do. All these negotiations that you make for your partner when, for whatever reason, they're not completely at peace, they're not right with themselves, you know, so that was what I was dragging her into, which was really uncool. <laughs> I knew that whatever had to happen, I would sort that out on my own, because it had nothing to do with our relationship, actually,
0: you know? Yeah, It's so personal to you, so important to the record and how you've tied the record to this movement and momentum in your own personal life. And I want to connect it to your work, Linda, on the video because it's so beautiful, it's so stunning, it's so moving. I think it does the best of what music videos can do in elevating an audio experience and pairing it while not distracting from it, but kind of creating... Additive emotions that make you experience more of like a 360 feel in your body and your, and your soul. And so working with Tao, hearing her talk about this song as you're starting to conceptualize the video, where does that come together for you in terms of ideas and imagery from that starting point?
2: Well, first of all, thank you. That's really great to hear hearing Tao talk about this experience with Molly and her personal experience in her own life and thinking about the lyrics, it made me think about how everyone at one time or another has felt like they're not enough. And I think we put up a lot of defenses when we think we're not enough. And for me, that kind of led to thinking about, okay, how can we aestheticize being kind of a hot mess and you know, the walls we put up and what we project and everything. And so obviously we came up with the giant dress idea, which we were calling the castle dress because it was sort of like a fortress and the sort of motto of that world in the music video was impressive from far away, but a mess up close. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Tao is kind of, you know, she's looming in this giant, giant white dress and, you know, when we do get up close, you see her lipstick is a little bit, you know, out of the line of her lips, you know, so she's very imperious and towering. And then the other side of sort of the defenses we put up were Tao in this, what we called the red world, where she's all red. And I really saw that as sort of like the raw, visceral, inner wounded child world. And when confronted with having to heal to be in partnership drags their feet a bit and puts up resistance. So I was just kind of thinking of all the ways to express the journey towards healing, which includes many emotions.
0: And is the imagery kind of layered on top throughout the video of, you know, smoke, ooze, liquid, is that meant to kind of signify what's kind of coming through our our bone marrow and how it's kind of blending between both this kind of protected world and this interior world?
2: I did take the title of the song, Marrow, and the lyrics, you know, there's grief in my marrow, a little literally. You know, I thought about how bones are hard, but they can be brittle, and inside there's marrow. So the colors of the music video are mostly white and red and black. And the liquids, I thought about when two people come together, it's like two colors mixing. And once they mix, you can't really unmix them. So that was sort of the impetus for that. I also felt like the instrumentation of the song, you know, you have this percussion and these vocals that sort of snowball and multiply. And I thought about sort of a liquid or like a deluge that couldn't be stopped. Like, you know, the character, the lyrical narrator of the song is saying like, You know, I have grief in my marrow. I'm coming for you. You can't stop me. I'm a mess. I'm working on myself, but here I come. You know, (laughs) that was kind of also the impetus for including all the liquids.
0: Tao, in the song itself, is that kind of chorus that starts to echo your lyrics at the end of the song? Is there a connection to what Linda's saying in the audio?
1: Definitely. That was my intention. I don't think Linda and I explicitly discussed that. But that was definitely my intention at the end for it to near chaos. But the momentum of love sort of overwhelming defenses, you know, and not quite having a plan besides I'm here. Let's go. And, you know, when I record music, I also I'm thinking about how it will be relayed and parlayed live and how the audience will be able to participate as well. And I wanted, especially to close the album and then in the performance of it for there to be an opportunity to scream or to shout or to commiserate and have that kind of chaotic communion.
0: Has that started to happen a little bit on the few tour dates that you've been able to have (laughs) in, in pandemic times? Because I could see it as a real catharsis. Totally.
1: Yeah. My plan was that live performance would be allowed. (laughs) So, you know, I just got back from a September run. We started to see it. I think it's starting to happen. And if nothing else, the other bandmates and I are, you know, it becomes way more punk in the live performance of it because the emotion takes precedence over even more so than the recording. Yeah, there is like a more palpable energy to it.
0: And Tao, how was it for you recording the video? and actually like stripping away these artifices of this giant fortress castle dress. And was there something that was happening on set for you personally as this was all being shot? (laughs) Besides discomfort, potentially, in this giant uh, (laughs)
1: dress? Yeah, besides I'm not used to this many people looking at me because it's been a year and a half. Uh, (laughs) Right. It was deeply cathartic. And, you know, it was a chance to revisit the heart of this song, which I believe is the heart of the record. And it brought back a lot of emotion. There are takes where I was tearing up because laboring and delving and rendering this album has been the most emotionally intense experience for me making music, which says a lot because I revisit a lot of intense things in my work. But this was, all said, even more personal because it's the most current you know, I had to do a behind-the-scenes. We had a separate crew there capturing behind-the-scenes footage and doing some interviews talking about the song. And it was a an opportunity to revisit everything that's behind the making of this record, which is actually really fortunate because of where it fell in the scope of the pandemic. As I said before, I didn't know if I would be able to revisit these songs. Yeah, it was... Quite sweet, you know, to get to experience those emotions again and in a very distilled, pure and intense way.
0: And I'm sure, Linda, for you, was there a a mood or a safety you were trying to hold on set for those kinds of moments?
2: Well, it's funny you mentioned safety because, you know, while Tao was revisiting these emotions, she was also balancing on a top of a very tall ladder.
0: Um, (laughs) Did not know that.
2: Yeah. Safety, not to, you know, give away all our crazy (laughs) tricks of the trade, you know, Um, but I was concerned about Tao's safety for sure, falling off the ladder. But I think, Some people, when they experience a song, they just, you know, tap their foot and don't know anything about what the song means or they can watch a music video and be like, wow, that's pretty and not really go farther than that. And I think that's absolutely fine and great. So I was kind of aware of all these different layers going on for, you know, Tao, the person Tao, the performer, and then also these extra personas I was asking her to become for the music video So yeah, that's my job as a director to kind of give her context and give the crew context so that we can get those performances and and have it turn into a cohesive whole.
0: Tao, I find your music so emotional. And the thing I love about it is the more I learn about your story, the more context you share around your songwriting, your life experiences, the way the albums have come together that context makes that emotional experience with your music so much deeper and it's still joyful it's still so fun to listen to but i do find myself moved like very deeply at times by your music knowing how personal it is to you and and thinking of my own stories and connecting the dots so i just want to thank you not only for the music that you make but kind of gifting listeners with more of your world so they can kind of understand it and feel it even that much deeper, which I think is very generous as an artist.
1: I really appreciate you saying that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So talk to me a little bit about the creative process, like the back and forth. I mean, Tao, do you just kind of say, Linda, it's your vision. Run with it. Is there more back and forth? Is there storyboarding? Are you dictating more things here and there? Like, how did it go? Linda, did you have a dream, a scene that Tao was like,
1: "No way"? <laughs> <laughs> Now's
2: the time to hash it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm working on the director's cut of the music video. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, um, it's four hours long. Yeah. so <laughs> the longest music video. <laughs> um, no, Tao was pretty. You're pretty hands off, or well, I don't know. I would say
1: the gift of getting to work with Linda is that you can be hands-off. Like, the reason I wanted to work with her and would love to continue to work with her is because I trust her so much. And when you trust someone, part of the luxury of that is getting to conserve more of your energy or have it continue to be directed at what you're already working on. You know, I'm not a director and I'm not a filmmaker, and but I w- want to work with people whose vision and taste I have faith in so that I don't need to hover. I trust in the decisions she'll make and I trust what she'll do on the fly and how she'll edit and which is a great gift. And it's not something that I've always had in my career. I've done plenty of things where I wasn't as prudent with who I was choosing to work with. Or at a certain you know, when you're first starting out, you don't really have a lot of choice. And there are a lot of cooks in the kitchen, there's people at the label, there's management, there's everyone is suggesting a different person to make this video or do whatever, you know. And I have relied on other people too much in the past for this kind of decision making. And now I revel in the autonomy to then give someone else the autonomy.
0: Speaking of autonomy, I have to ask You know, we've got big breaking news this week. I think, I don't know if I'm your first interview. Um, But I don't know. You were talking about autonomy. You were talking about, you know, having more of the decision-making in your plate and on your lap. And so I just have to ask kind of about this new venture moving forward as Tao and kind of parting ways with the band and the band moniker. And if that kind of thread, as you were describing in the video world, connects to the music.
1: Yes and no. I'll say that the decision-making within my band for my entire career has always resided with me, and it's something that I've delegated to management. It was just time to signify a different level of intent and participation. I mean my own participation in my life, and that entity, whatever it was, whatever I was at the helm of, it's existed for a long time. And there are musical tendencies that I don't necessarily feel close to anymore. There are roots in folk and country and rock that I started out in, but I'm not that interested in anymore. I'm up for exploring more and producing my own work entirely. And it was a way to separate myself from a different sonic identity and a different identity for my live performance. What you were saying with the emotion and the context, I'm way more interested in that emotional context and being forthright with what my songs are about. And when I started out, it was more of how can we be a party band? How can the show just be a good time? Which I'm not against at all. I want people to have a good time at my show, but I want them to know that the good time is in the release and the acknowledgement of what life is, which, you know, embodies everything. And moving beyond that moniker is a way to easily delineate moving forward what I would like people to pay attention to more.
0: Yeah. I love that. I mean, it connects back to why I feel so strongly about your music. And it seems like you're at that time in your life, in your career, where you're ready to say, it's all about this, it's about my life, it's about my story, it's about my music. Be a part of that and whatever that might be, sonically, storytelling-wise.
1: I've talked to Linda about this, too. So much of my career in the beginning was the denial of so much of my identity. I wasn't out. I performed in a very straight way (laughs) and I never talked about my ethnicity. I never challenged people when they would say completely fucked up shit to me or music writers who would reduce me to my ethnicity or say that I played Vietnamese bluegrass or I wrote this record in a foxhole, all of this shit, I just took it somebody stronger than myself would have probably have done it differently i chose the path of least resistance and i paid for it my own way to little avail you know which is the real fucking kicker like if you're gonna <laughs> if you're gonna deny so much of yourself maybe there should be some kind of at least material payoff you know but there was nothing so it's completely not worth it
0: yeah so this is just the complete opposite of like, let's embrace it all, embrace my identity, embrace myself. And this is it. I'm going out front and center as me. And let me ditch all of those artifices.
1: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, even just more practical applications of it, like on this last tour, it was just a trio, but I played a lot more guitar and I played lead guitar. And in the older iterations of the band, you wouldn't know that I played lead, you know, I I wouldn't necessarily, or we had a lead player or there are horns or there's keys, which is all great. But part of it is to assert myself in every way possible (laughs) within my own work, you know.
2: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on
0: LinkedIn.com slash people today. And Linda, I want to ask about your kind of approach to filmmaking. Like when you think about kind of your vision, your aesthetic. How do you approach the work? And how is it different when you're working with bands like Tao and working with actors and doing more narrative stories?
2: It was interesting when we were shooting this music video, Mero, we had this one portion, which we haven't talked about yet, the sort of fruit and flowers on the ground. And there's these like green and red lights and it's all dark. And one of my really close friends who I've had the fortune of collaborating on things since we were little, you know, she saw that footage and she's like, oh, there's Linda. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I think it's like, you know, dark dream world fantasy. I was like, okay, I'll take it. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I love really dark fantasies, dream world, surreal things, supernatural things. Of course, I love watching movies to get inspiration, you know, historical dramas, period dramas, anything supernatural, anything super stylized.
0: Do you aspire to get into feature film and fantasy and and that kind of work?
2: Yeah. So yes, I'm working on a feature screenplay, a narrative, as well as a documentary. But both are related to Asian American identity, one specifically to Vietnamese American identity. So it's interesting Tao and my journey to learn more or for me personally, to learn more about my Vietnamese heritage and my Asian heritage, it's been interesting to collaborate with her on these various projects. But the feature is about a Chinese-American woman in the 19th century in California. And, you know, I grew up here, so the Chinese diaspora, the Asian diaspora in the Bay Area has been super formative for me. And I just feel like, you know, growing up watching movies about this time period in this place, there was no one that looked like me you know, in the most simple part of the story, or part of the reason I wanted to tell that story. And the documentary is about a Vietnamese American fashion designer, and his journey to get more people to wear this traditional Vietnamese garment called an dai.
0: Amazing. I can't wait to see those projects. Tao, I'd love to ask you about your approach to collaboration in general on the art side of your work. How much are you thinking about the album design, the series of videos, what your you know, stage setup will be? How much of that is coming into your concept of the way you present your music? Does it come up as it comes up, or do you have visions of things as you're writing and recording?
1: I have visions of how I will embody it on stage, when I'm writing and recording. I would love for a more unified visual representation of my music moving forward. I think that's something that I've paid less attention to, but it's something I really admire and appreciate in other artists. Just a really solid campaign, <laughs> if I can render it so soullessly. But you know what I mean? It's just when the visual language hits and it is so well tied to the music and every music video exists within the greater world, the realm that this album has created. I think I've never had a clear enough mind to consider it all. I think... Making records has been harrowing enough that I'm just barely finishing and delivering the record. And then touring, it's always like budget issues, whatever it is, it's hard to capture what you see. And then at a certain point, you stop envisioning it. And so I want that very much moving forward.
0: Are there bands that you can picture in your mind's eye that do that beautifully? Or bands that have like attracted you into their world of music by... Those representations?
1: Well, you know, someone who Linda and I were talking about, Tyler, their creator's latest album, and the visual life that goes along with that album, and each video is made by the same person, but I think that's him. I'm not sure. I don't know a lot about it, but I had just sent it to Linda being like, "This, whatever's
2: going on here— it's cool. <laughs> it's him. I think it's his, alt- he has another name as the director. Yeah. 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 But that visual palette, you know, the intention,
1: as I get older, I'm a way bigger fan of intention than I have been
0: in the past. I mean, you've done a lot in podcasting as well. Song Exploder is <laughs> one of the, you know, mm-hmm. biggest shows out there. And I'm curious if working on that and having that deconstruction of song and structure and interview did that affect your songwriting in any way, or was it just more kind of discovery for you? It
1: definitely did. And, you know, Song Exploder, Rishi Hirway, who's a good friend of mine now who created Song Exploder, I had done one episode just as a guest, and he had circled back a while later asking if I'd be interested. He got in touch at such a serendipitous time for me. I started to write Temple. I think I was in the throes of it and it wasn't going well. So I was so grateful to have something else to focus on. I didn't know how much it would help me to talk to artists basically on a weekly basis and listen to them share about their discipline and the love of the craft. It was really important to me. And now I feel more like them, whereas before, as I had Had mentioned, it's so harrowing. It was so emotional to me and it was so painful. And I'd put so much pressure on it that it was a deeply unpleasant experience. There was just so much anguish around it and then so much self loathing. And it makes it miserable.
0: It's like the best therapy work where you have to like dig out all of the crap.
1: Right, right. To
0: move past it. But then you're like, now you actually see all the stuff that was buried and you're totally trying to get out of it. Yeah.
1: Right. But it also, you know, when something is that painful to do, you don't want to do it regularly. And the product suffers. If you're not maintaining your skill and getting better, and if you're not tending to it every day, whatever you're going to make, it's not as good as it could have been. So to talk to people, it really helped me develop a daily practice. It helped me get over all of the weird self-doubt that I had around being my own engineer, being my own producer. You know, it makes you like, sit down and watch the YouTube video on Pro Tools just because you're like, well, they do it. Like everyone figured out how to use Pro Tools. And my brain works okay. I can do it if I can just sit down and focus. You know, and so it helped with that so much to talk to people who just loved the act of it and could derive a daily joy from making music, which to me had was a far off dream at that point.
0: And did it get you out of the sludge for the making of Temple?
1: It did, yeah. It really helped because I also was tired of feeling bad. (laughs) And they seemed so happy and they had made an album, whereas I just thought about making an album, you know. (laughs) So it did. And talking to people like John Darnell. And with my lyric writing, I felt like I had kind of fallen into the same kind of vague Uh, obtuse patterns and I don't listen to a lot of mountain goats music but when I did I was researching for that episode and talking to him I so loved his amount of detail and I wanted to be that specific it was a goal of mine to be very specific in my songwriting for this record because I believe in not being out in my career in the past I had always stayed very general to my detriment. And so I love the specificity in things. And that helped with the imagery that I created in Temple when I was really trying to present images and moments in time.
0: That's amazing to hear, because I think for a listener of Song Exploder, that's the experience, right? You're kind of like all the mystery, all the mystique, the romance of the art-making process is broken down. And yeah, you're kind of shown that... There's real people behind this, real imperfect people. And it's like that bridge to cross for imposter syndrome that everyone has, probably including the people that you interviewed about their work. So I love that it actually moved your gears forward as well as an artist.
1: And just the technical side of it as well, where I was having daily conversations around production and recording gear. And that to me had been inaccessible in a lot of ways for many reasons. But once those barriers were broken down, then I I did. I got way more into production and
0: engineering. Amazing. One of the through lines I've seen in all of your videos, Tao, there's two. One, movement, body, movement, dance as an expression of song, self, catharsis. And then I've also noticed this kind of letting the audience in on knowing that you know that they know that you're making a video, (laughs) that this is part of a performance, it's part of a construct, it's part of a show, and maybe it's happenstance, maybe it's something in, in your approach to using video as a medium. But talk to me a little bit about both sides of that, both the movement and then the, I don't know if that's breaking the fourth wall or some wall breaking there.
1: That's interesting. The wall breaking, I hadn't thought about. I mean, I know we definitely discussed it for this one, but Linda had brought it up. Movement is really important to me because it's so intrinsic to my performance. And if I'm going to perform in a video, then I don't know how else to do it besides how I would do it live. For something like Meticulous Bird, I requested that I dance Because I I had never fully danced in a music video. I thought, you know, this would be the song to do it for. It's not one take, but I had to nail a lot of the choreography in succession. That's a lot of pressure when everyone's gathered around and it's like 3 a.m. and you're freezing in a grocery store and
2: you can't go. No one can go until you have done this thing. (laughs) That's what makes musicians such great. I mean, you you are a really great performer, Tao. And I think, you know, in the acting world, you know, people who act on stage in the theater, that's sort of like the highest on the hierarchy of acting. But it's because if you perform live, you're a really great performer and you know how to do things like to bring the energy or the different kinds of energy and different takes. And I really noticed that with you. Like I don't have to give that much direction. You really get it. And I think it's from performing live. Oh, thank you.
0: I wanted to ask you both about the idea of creative collaboration. Uh, a lot of the artists and musicians I talked to for the show, you know, are sharing kind of what works well, what doesn't, how you've operated solo with a band You've worked so closely with your good friend, Meryl, from Toon Yards. You've collaborated on the documentary, Nobody Dies, which had you going back to Vietnam with your mother, which was such a beautiful piece. And Linda, you're working with actors, you're working with musicians, and then obviously all the crew and the costuming and everything. For you both, like when do creative collaborations really gel? Is it the people? Is it kind of the common values and vision? And when is it going horribly awry?
2: Well, I think Tao mentioned this word earlier, which is trust and taste. I think that you have to know that you have the same taste as other people's, You know, because with music videos, with art, everything now, it can be so subjective. One person may really like a style and another may really dislike it. So I think just having people who can also reflect your own taste back to you when you're unsure because if there's so many things going on, you kind of have like a sounding board or a mirror, a person you trust. And let's see, when things go awry, I don't know. They definitely have gone awry for me. And that was, I think, because of bad communication. And also film is so hard to pull off. I always say it's like half of it is being a visionary and the other half is spreadsheets. But there's a lot of fantasy, and dreaming, and bringing something into existence that didn't exist before. People have different ideas. They use the same words, but they may mean a different thing. You don't want to find that out too late. So I think communication is really important, and knowing that you're talking about the same things visually, orally, you know, sound-wise, in every part of filmmaking.
0: Do you do that by drawing it out, by talking it out, by showing examples and vision boards, all the above?
2: There's a lot of reference images and mood boards and decks, as they're called, going around. You know, decks are just—it's just a PDF. It's
0: just a slideshow,
2: people. (laughs) Um, I don't know why they're called decks.
0: I don't know why it ever got that name. Tal, you know that name? Have you ever been in a deck presentation? Oh
1: well, I'm married to a designer, so I hear deck like fifty. thousand times a day, <laughs> yeah. just through the walls in our we work home. <laughs>
2: it, it sounds sexier than a slideshow yeah. <laughs> deck, yeah. but it's really just a slideshow. But yes, there's a lot of images there. And then, you know, we're all in the business of storytelling. Yeah. And all those materials should sort of add up to a story.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found in my sort of unintentional deep dive into collaboration, I guess I have collaborated with a lot of people. But really I think i have yeah. only now getting good at it and being prudent enough. I was just reading in the Times the other day, they were doing a profile on, I forget her name, but she just started her own production company and she was the one to help get Cheryl Strayed's Wild and Gone Girl. She used to work with Reese Witherspoon and then kind of peeled off to, she's Australian. And she had said that one of her mentors was the filmmaker um, and producer, Anthony Minghella the guy who made English Patient. And he had counseled her, never work with anyone you wouldn't share a meal with. I read that literally a week and a half ago. And then I thought, (laughs) 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 oh man, there are so many people that I've collaborated with with whom I would not necessarily have a meal with. And if you look back, it shows, you know, and nothing against them. It was how we did or did not meet minds. And now I would not, do anything without making sure that our personalities meshed. Because at a certain point in whatever industry, anyone can do the thing you need them to do and the rest is hanging out. I'll say for music and touring. At a certain point, the pool that you can draw from, everyone has the skills. It's, can you talk to them? Do you want to see them every day? And so that's really important. And that's not a consideration that I had made before, <laughs> which I would certainly now. I've learned my lessons. And then also that shared vocabulary that Linda was talking about around shared taste, which again, it's like the skill set is one thing, but in the moment of improvisation or troubleshooting or on the fly on stage, when I say improvise something, it would be best if what they came up with was what you would come up with as well if you were in their position, you know. And that's a more nuanced knowledge and background information that I wish I had gathered
2: sooner. (laughs) You also want good collaborators to push you to expand. Mm -hmm. Also, it's not, I mean, I think I would hope that what we've been saying doesn't sound like we just want like a mirror or a feedback loop of our own taste. You know, you you want to be open to new things and new ideas. For sure. Yeah. But it takes, you know, you have to trust the person. You have to have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. And work ethic. I love
1: working with people who have a better work ethic than I do.
0: Do you usually then like kind of elevate to match their ethic? Yeah, that's yeah. the...
1: That's the goal, that's the plan, you know, because I think I have a pretty solid one, but I want someone who pays even more attention or who has even higher standards
0: on the far end of that kind of you want to be in sync with the collaborator, is there any challenge to working with a best friend, a closest friend? I mean, there's like you know those sayings about you know don't go into business with your family or whatnot. Do there become points where personal relationship and professional starts to like come in conflict or does it all help kind of in that shared language and kind of understanding of one another?
1: In my experience, I'm happy to work with a friend or if I was related to anyone who worked in the arts, that would be awesome, but I'm not. I would be happy to if the power dynamic was not an issue. I think collaboration works best when both sides and both people have their own thing going on and neither are reliant or dependent upon the success of this collaboration. In my experience, I've found it gets very murky and weird and uncomfortable and it has the potential to be very messy and fraught.
0: I wanted to close out by asking about this temple reissue that's coming and, you know, why now? Why would these added orchestral tracks, which are beautiful, to kind of represent it to the world. What does it mean to you? And do you view this as kind of the completed work, as more of a bonus experience from the completed album? Where does it sit for you?
1: I love the addition of the arrangements with strings because of the space they offer, the lyrical content. And because it was such an emotional statement for me, and it was so important to me in that way, in that it's the first record where I am proudly out and proudly Vietnamese, I wanted to give it one more chance before it was lost to the rigors of music industry releases. And before I start working on my next record more intently, we wanted to give it another chance to be shared and also with the addition of having those more spare arrangements
2: it can show more of its heart. I feel like the strings arrangements are like music videos for the songs yeah. they like music videos made of music.
0: What, what do you mean by that, Linda? What do you mean by well, that? Well,
2: they're like, they're an interpretation or like a furthering or a development of the idea in the original, or just another mood. One thing that just occurred
1: to me, but I've not verbalized, but it's really important to me, is so much has happened from the run-up to the release to now that I feel in many ways a different person. And... It's a way to measure that progress where I was so nervous to release this record. I was so nervous to talk about it in the press. I didn't know how my family would react. There was so much apprehension. And going through the pandemic, then having such perspective cast upon us all, it has made me way more light and liberated. And it's important to me to acknowledge what this album captures and how... Far I am from it, but because of it, it just was such a stepping stone to where I am now that it was just sweet to revisit.
0: And I think the arrangement of those songs, you know, really does that. It's an experience unto itself, but then I could almost picture just going to an orchestra concert and just hearing those strings or arrangements that you put together of all your songs. I could picture just loving that. And it also does put the spotlight on your lyrics, which there's just such a heaviness to it, I think, with that clarity in the sound and also the depth of the string arrangements around it. So I'm glad that you're giving it another birth into the world and that it resonates so much with you because it, it really does for listeners. It's uh, it's beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you both so much for uh, joining. It was such a great conversation. value both of your work and contributions so much. And I'm a fan and can't wait to see more of your work, Linda and Tao. Can't wait to see what you bring next. So thank you both so much for joining.
1: Thank you, Rob. Thanks for
2: having us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us.
0: Thanks so much for listening. Big thanks to Tao and Linda for joining the show. If you dug what you heard, be sure to subscribe, follow, and share this podcast with a friend too. And a great way to support the show is to give us an awesome rating or five stars wherever you're listening. Making Ways is created, hosted, and illustrated by me, Rob Goodman. Audio engineering is by Brian Paik at Pacific Audio. You can learn more about the show at makingwayspodcast.com and find us on Instagram at making.ways. And if you have a project that brings together music and art, I'd love to work together. So hit me up. Be well and see you soon. Thanks again for listening.
1: Would you believe she wants to-